never worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well, we've devised a test to put to rest your fears There's no need to panic if you're letting us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show, then you're probably a nerd You know what that means. It's time for a new episode of the It's Canon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things geek, the podcast where we talk about all things pop culture, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything. We're your hosts, I'm Boris, and as always, I am joined by Phil. Hello, hello. That's all you got? That's all I got. Well... Happy belated July 4th to all of our American listeners. I'll say that. And yourself. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, what a week. Is that time what of year? It's been. Yeah, man. It's, it's summer. Yeah. It's summertime. It is summertime. I like it. I know. It's been um it's been crazy couple couple days. Uh how's everything going? Oh, good, man. I got my second dose yesterday. Yep. There you go. Um, so I guess I'm all vaxxed up. I got the 5G, as the kids say. Yep. But um, yeah, it feels good to have it out of the way. I'm yeah. moving into iced coffee season quite aggressively. There I'm now go. in search of my Keurig makes iced coffee or over ice setting. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing is they say put it in a plastic cup. I found out why today. Why is that? It's because... They actually pour it hot, and they the the instructions are very specific. You put the ice in the cold cup or in the plastic cup, and you brew the pod, and the hot becomes cold, and that reaction will crack glass. Yeah. So, it doesn't brew it cold; it brews it hot. It's just yeah. brewing a freaking coffee. <laughs> it made me laugh. I'm like, oh, okay, this is what you got going on. Yeah, that that's their so racket. I, I have to go on the mission for like proper cold brew now. I've, I've given up. I've capitulated. Yeah, <laughs> it happens, man. I know. I know. Tonight. Ones. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually going to go to Loblaws because they've got the, um, they got the Starbucks, mm-hmm. and I got to say, I get into that bitter bean kind of thing. Like tonight, I made a la- Lavazza, the Italian, uh, medium coffee pour over. Just to yeah. give myself a little kick for the show. And holy yep. cow, man. Oof. What a coffee. Yeah. That had bitterness all over. Woohoo. For a medium roast, man. I'm telling you. That it. Yeah, I hear you. <clears throat> I can use a coffee right now. So tired today. So out of it. I know. It it's a thing, right? Like I, I go in these phases where it's like coffee becomes life. And then mm. I'm like, eh, I'll take a break from the caffeine because I do know that when I'm working and whatnot, I can have two or three coffees. And then if they're cold brews, they have more caffeine mm-hmm. than regular coffee. And the problem is, is that then you start getting the, the, the jitters. 
And then yeah. you're like, I got to give this up, man. This is too much. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hear you. I, you see, that's never happened to me. I've never had that issue. But uh, yeah, I've well, been lucky. Starbucks. Starbucks are only allowed to sell you a certain size of cold brew because it's against provincial regulations to sell you the largest size that they have mm-hmm. because they'll be breaking caffeine laws. That's <laughs> so it's, it's like you're, I'm picking up one for me and my girlfriend. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you so down funny. two of those and you can see through time. It's like, Whoa, I'm Loki. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh man. What a, what a day. Um, so looking at the news, there's really not much that's happened in the past week. It's actually crazy. Um, let's see, F9 is still number one, beat Boss Baby 2 and the Forever Purge. So still top surprise, of the box surprise. office. Total is 117 million worldwide. It's made 500 million. Yeah, it's not going to be until Black Widow hits and even then. Because of that multi-platform launch, I don't know that it's going to actually post numbers that try to knock it. So it's such a bizarre time for movies, you know, as we discussed. Yeah. You've got our country that's doing staged, slow openings. We're not looking at theaters having any realistic uh, plans to have audiences in them for another two weeks or so. Yep. So we're taking it nice and slow and cautious which is fine um i'm glad that these options exist i know the the rumors are that kevin feige is a little bit annoyed with disney over the idea of this doing this uh, disney plus subscriber release mm-hmm. thing but it is what it is like what can you do you can't just wait for time like time doesn't stand still right you got to move on yep. and other projects are pending the outcomes that are revealed in these movies, as, as we discussed last week with Tyler, we know the shows are going to be just background filler for the movies. You don't have to necessarily watch the shows in order to watch the movies. And I think that there's stuff in this movie that's going to unlock certain traits in other movies that they really are excited about. So I don't know how it really ties in in a retrospective Black Widow way, but I'm sure it will. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, we'll see exactly what's going on there. Um, But it's just interesting. Um, So that's that. But looking at the numbers, like, it's actually quite crazy, Um, you know, that. And again, like we talked with Tyler last week, I know that a lot of the states is open again. But still, you know, people are just flocking back to the movies, which is fantastic to see. But, you know, we'll see what happens um yeah so one of the big things that i've been kind of looking at so right now sony you know and it's just one article and i don't want to get into the article too much but uh you know it's something that we've talked about a bit and that's the exclusivity of games um this seems Mm -hmm. to be a arms race right now right like it's, it's it's crazy right now um last week at some point late last week it Rumors started swirling that Kojima's next game could be an Xbox exclusive. That would be a huge blow to Sony. Well, the the rumor is is that this was actually a Stadia project. And when Stadia did the move, like we talked about, 
they got rid of the in-house production, Xbox swooped in and bought the Kojima title, mm-hmm. like bought the rights to it. So they want to put it on Xbox Game Pass. And that's the rumor. I I don't know what the truth is. But yeah, it's a big it's a big snub to Sony. But at the same rate last week, Sony announced that they bought the studio that makes Returnal. Yeah. And at the time that they announced Returnal's purchase, their Twitter handle announced that they bought Bluepoint software. Yes. And then they retracted that. And now yeah. Bluepoint's like, no, we're completely independent and all this. But yeah. obviously something's cooking, right? And it is an arms race. It is literally escalating studio by studio to the point where we have to ask ourselves, can there be any independent studios anymore? Doesn't is this seem, a thing of the past? Doesn't seem yeah. like it. And I think Tyler brought up a great point because he kind of likened it to the uh, software, you know, uh, mid 2000s, right? Uh, to, mm-hmm. to 2010s where basically every software company, their goal was to be bought out, right? And that seems to be what's going on right now with the video game industry, where people are releasing like one major game, like perfect example, Returnal, right? We know yeah. we've talked about it on this show that it was a small studio that was making this, and you know it just seems like you know they had this one hit, and then boom, time to sell while they're at their highest, right? Yeah, and and the the thing is, is in the past we've all it's kind of like music, right? There's a sophomore curse. The second title is almost never as good as the first title, whatever it may be, whether it be a sequel or a whole other adventure where they're they're going all in on. It usually doesn't compete on the same level. So it's a huge gamble by Sony and Xbox and whatnot when they're picking up these indies with the one hit wonders. Yeah. Right. And you, I'm sure the talent always filters somewhere to in, within the organization. Yeah. But it's just weird man it's just there's so much opportunity in there for things to go sideways and it'd be like oh this is our true colors now yeah we patched up x game and got it out and people enjoyed it but we actually have no idea what we're doing when it comes to all these other aspects of gaming or game development yeah i I don't know I, i don't know how to feel about it i at the same time i'm not a big as a as a gamer, I'm not a big indie fan. It's great when an indie is good. But by and large, I'm not paying attention to most of them. It's the triple A titles that always grab my wallet first. Mm-hmm. It's only if there's an insane amount of buzz around an indie or availability through Xbox Game Pass or free game of the month on Sony or PlayStation Pro or Stadia Pro was giving it away, that yeah. type of thing, where I'm like, oh, okay, I'll give this a shot. And then I may enjoy what I did, what I find. Mm-hmm. But it's not necessarily what I go out and crave. Right. Yeah, and exactly. it's interesting to see these big companies buying up the indie studios that develop some of this stuff, even though Returnal, definitely like a triple A or trying to be a triple A title. Just like because it, it plays well. Just because it's an indie doesn't mean that it's not AAA. Yeah, it's just hard to know. It doesn't get the same amount of buzz and whatnot. That's all. Yeah. They, they kind of sneak. They sneak up, right? And they go, oh, well, that's 90 bucks. Oh, but it's actually getting good reviews. Oh, and it looks like fun. That type of thing. Whereas a AAA title, you know, love it or hate it, Call of, Call of Duty or whatever. 
they pound the product at you to the point where you consider it, even if it's not something you want. You're like, mm-hmm. well, that could be fun. Maybe I'll try the campaign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm guilty of that. The minute you start telling me there's no campaign, I'm like, I'm not even going to play play with your game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I get it. Um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting to kind of see like how this arms race is really heating up. But, um, you know, do, do you think that... How, how should I pose this question? Do you think this can hurt the video game industry by, you know, only having exclusives? Or do you think that it doesn't matter because enough people own both systems that they'll play whatever? I think that gamers own, by and large, both systems. There's a huge install base or... There's a base that will achieve a big number for install base. You know what I mean? Like, I went Sony first. Oh, man, I'm telling you, each week I'm like, hmm, do I pick up an Xbox S? Yeah. Just because of its size, its portability, and then it has access to Game Pass and external hard drive. And there's a lot of things that I can mess with with Mm -hmm. that system to get the most out of it. And I have a 2K monitor on my desk. So... I know that I'm eventually going to join the ranks of having an X or an S as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's going to be a huge draw. The more this whole arms race escalates with online gaming and the options, it's going to be impossible. Yeah, But I think it does hurt the industry in terms of the smaller base of people who have to decide one system or the other. And as much as it looks like Xbox is winning the war on that front, because they're being progressive with technology. I really think that they're trying to splash out an impression. Yeah. We we remark about the fact that most of their marketing is about numbers. Well, our, our system is 13% better. Yeah. Our system can, we give away 700% more free games, stuff like that. They keep on going back to that. And that shows weakness. That shows that they're trying to market a number to get their numbers up. Whereas PlayStation are a little more complacent about it and are just like, yeah, we're the big dogs. Like people want our system. People yeah. want to be on a PlayStation. So I do think that as much as people are making out this Bethesda deal or Zenimax being purchased by Xbox, Xbox were languishing for years previous to that. Exactly. And we're still years away from having meaningful games that are Xbox exclusive. Mm-hmm. Where that's Sony the thing, right? Like, so let's much. just remember, Sony was so far ahead. They were so far ahead. They were so far ahead. Yeah. But because Microsoft over the past year, year and a half, have just been trying to play catch up, all the attention is going on Microsoft right now, right? But there's just so yeah. many exclusive and AAA title exclusives and damn good exclusive that are with Sony still, right? Like, you know, yep. you have the entire Marvel stuff <laughs> that it's going to be an exclusive. Yep. Uh, just just look at what they have sitting in their back pocket, right? We know that 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 God of War Ragnarok or whatever it's called is coming. Yeah. Right? They pushed it from this year to next. Okay. And then you know what's going to happen after that? Naughty Dog is going to come forward and say, "We're doing another Uncharted." Mhm. It's all, I'll guarantee you right now. It's already in the works. Yeah, Naughty Dog sure. are doing something. Uh, beyond Last of Us 3. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, this is going to be relentless from Sony 
when yep. they decide that they want to have like when they can achieve the install base of ps5s to become closer to the ps4 levels they are going to unleash a juggernaut of assaultive combative software releases yep. and as gamers we're going to be like jaws on the ground this is the war that all gamers win at i don't care yeah. what side you're on if you're going to pick a side xbox or playstation hell i'd even give you like nintendo whatever nintendo does it's going to be successful in the, its space and i would even say stadia is positioned to do well as cloud gaming becomes more and more accepted i see this every day so as this stuff becomes a reality, you're starting to see games that are next-gen exclusive on Xbox or PlayStation 5 becoming available for Stadia as well. Yeah. Yep. So the teraflops are there. The graphics cards are there. The performance are there. And here's the funny thing. They released on June 23rd the Stadia app for the Google TV. And I ordered a $25 power adapter from Google hmm. to input my uh, RJ45 cable into directly from my router. And I am getting flawless 4K on every single title now, whereas I didn't get that on the Chrome. Very nice. Chromecast. Very nice. So now all of my Cyberpunk games, like Cyberpunk, uh, all of my Ubisoft games that I have on Stadia are streaming in 4K with great uh, uh, signal. Yeah. And this is all due to this new Flutter programming language that they've introduced that this thing uses. And apparently they've got some kind of algorithm that makes streaming work even better than the Ultra. Nice. So Very nice. It's, it's a game changer. Like the more that they're pushing this new technology out and getting established in it, the better, the more we all win. Yeah. Because because you can basically have an Xbox controller or a PS5 controller or just a Bluetooth controller, access to the internet, and you can play Destiny 2 for free. Mm -hmm. You just need to set up an account, and the account is free. It's, it's a nutty proposition what's going on, and you can bet that companies like that are just dying to get into the space of Fortnite. Yeah. You know, like, I, I, don't know I don't know why Epic wouldn't be eager to get into that marketplace. Yeah, it's, that, it's, that's, I'm surprised they are, they're not, right? And like going deep in it because literally like that's a market, like that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a huge marketplace that like is untapped right now. And it because it's so open and so easy to play, anyone can play. You don't need the hardware. You just pick up and go as you, we were just talking about. So to me, it's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, like I increasingly if I'm if I'm watching YouTube, for example, and I'm watching people doing unboxing videos. Unbox therapy is a great channel for me. All right. I watch Lou. He opens up something. He plays it. He 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 gets the the smartphone du jour, right? Like the newest Qualcomm chips, the newest everything. And what's he doing for most of his unboxing on the second half? He's playing Call of Duty on a cell phone. Yeah. To show that these things can game. Like they have graphics processors in them. They have no like zero lag wireless. He's just sitting there having a blast killing people in Call of Duty. So this is this is becoming real. 
this is an undeniable thing that's going to manifest and things like, you know, availability on the stores, whether it be through Google play, whether it be through iOS, whether it be through stadia, I don't really know that Epic should care where that 30% scrape comes from. As long as they're getting to more and more hands, who cares? But it's an interesting strategy. I'm sure it's all in the contract. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Um, <clears throat> so sticking with video games, um, last week, again, late last week, it was announced that Ghost of Tsushima was going to be getting a director's cut uh, with more stuff. And it's very confusing how this is going to work if you already own the game. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> We're gonna have to read yeah. it a little bit, and we'll, we'll we'll get back to people. But it's like if you already own it, you can purchase the director's cut for like twenty five bucks or something like that. Um, no, you know. So go <laughs> ahead. If it's the way I read it is, you can pay ten bucks and get the PS five upgraded version. But if you want the additional content, that's an additional twenty dollars. So if you want the bonus director's cut content it's going to be a total of $30 if you previously owned the game for everything but you can parse it out and just get the PS5 upgrade graphics for $10 and then there's another version that you can buy if you've never had it to play on the PS4 or the PS5 I don't know how much that is but the fact that they tiered the PS5 with the bonus content is throwing people into a loop yeah and exactly. fair enough. Like, honestly, most of my games upgraded to PS5 versions for free. So this is a little bit weird. But yep. And apparently, this is something that we're going to be seeing more of. Not necessarily like this tiered pricing for the upgrade, but director's cuts. Um, how do you feel about yeah. this? Ghost of Tsushima will be the litmus test there's going to have to be a standard if they're going to do this. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm already bitter about just re-releasing the game. Mm -hmm. You have to do something like mass effect legendary. Didn't feel like it was a complete ripoff because it included three games and all add on contents plus upgraded graphics and engine. So I felt like I was getting an updated game. Yeah. So that was worth the money. But when I see a game that essentially came out, like let's just say Last of Us Part 2 did something like this, I'd be a little bit bitter about it because I'd be like, I already spent my 70 bucks on that game. And you knew that this was going to happen. And it depends on the price point. If it's 20 or 30 bucks for the upgrade, maybe. You know, I'd really have to read what's what's the bonus. And maybe I need to be a little drunk in order to buy it, right? Like maybe it's it's a it's more of an impulse purchase. But on the surface, I, I, I get a little bit crusty about it because I'm just having to buy the same title over and over again. I want new content. I want to see the boundaries pushed yep. by creators. Yep. I want to see something new. I want to yep. experience something that maybe I never expected to experience. You know what I mean? Like, Life is Strange. Didn't expect that game. Life is Strange 2 takes place with another character mm -hmm. in the same universe, but a completely different angle on it. 
Yep. Congratulations, Square Enix. You've you've basically given me a chance at having a whole different experience under the same title. Great. So you know I'm going to relate to what it is you made, but I'm also going to be experiencing something new. I like that. So That's I kind just of what find that Last of Us 2 was, right? Like Yeah. Yeah, it was well, the Last same of Us characters. 2 was a bonafide sequel and it carried the story forward. Yeah, but and it did I just it mean in general, time. in general, right? It's the yeah. same thing. Like, you know, you mm-hmm. played new characters. Yep, exactly. But that's that's a genuine sequel that's giving me a new experience. Yeah. But exactly. when you take the same game and then you you tweak a part of it, that's tough, man. That's really tough. It's either you're making the graphics better or you're giving me a different map mode. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm like, mm, do I really need that? Like, th- that's yeah. why I say this is going to be the litmus test. Well, I'm going to go in there and look at this extra content and go, well, was that? Justifiable? There's also like th- another game was announced with having a director's cut, and that's Death Stranding, uh, the Kojima one. So yeah. we'll see, kind of like, you know, we'll see what this means. Like, I don't know. I've, I, I, it's to me, it's kind of a farce that the whole director's cut stuff in a video game. Like, I get it, but at the same time, it's just like, how much did you really have to change to the final product? Like, why is it a director's cut? Does does a a board of directors or an oversight committee from Sony come in and say, oh, we don't like this bit. You better cut it out. It's too much. It's too intense. It's too controversial. I look at video games and they're being extremely progressive in content. I don't mm-hmm. see it as a movie as far as that goes. Now, maybe parallel budgets and it may be even higher re- revenue returns and whatever we might notice in the industry. But by and large, I don't believe that the, the directors are, are suppressed yeah. on what their vision is. It just, to be honest, it feels like with Ghost of Tsushima, Sucker Punch didn't see it being such a big success or cashing in off of it. With uh, Death Stranding, it's a fanboy grab. Mm-hmm. It has a loyal following. It's going to, I will guarantee you that the news will break about a Microsoft exclusive Hideo Kojima video game at the same time frame that this gets hyped up for marketing. Yep. Because then they're going to go, oh, yep, but you are going to have to wait for the Hideo Kojima and it's going to get pushed and COVID, COVID, COVID and blah, 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 blah. But we've got this now. Yeah, get over here if you like uh, Hideo Kojima, and you know who wins? Kojima. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's the rub. That's like, that's that's the the sad part. And like, I know that you're gonna buy it. No, probably not. at some point. No, probably well, not. If, realistically. If it, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Good. Good for you. But yeah. there's gonna be a whole bunch of people who do. And that's what it's all about. That's yeah. why we're old and cynical. Yeah, 100%. Um, July 22nd, EA, uh, they, they have their um, their play live showcase, and it's looking more and more like it will be a revival remake of Dead Space. Yeah. It uh, got legs. Yep. <laughs> After last week's foot in my mouth, it's not going to be made. Yeah, uh, right. It certainly seems like there's a effort to make a new game that's going to be very similar to Resident Evil, but in space, mm-hmm. 
and a reboot of the franchise, which was inspired by Resident Evil anyway. Um, a complete reboot. So good on them. It's it's just like I was talking about with you know Naughty Dog and the the deep hands the deep pockets that Sony have mm-hmm. when it comes to oh we've got this AAA title that we can throw at you. EA is doing the same thing, right? They're just reaching back into the back catalog and saying, eh, what can we revive? All right, yep. we know we have Dragon Age going over here. They're just moving chess pieces now, right? And I'm sure all these projects have been worked on in some form and then tethered to a post for a while while they get all the developers to go and finish Battlefield 5 or Battlefield 6 and things like that. You know, that's that seems to be the dev cycle. It's like everybody hands off what you're doing. We need FIFA out in October. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. So it's like you we are now boxes, FIFA. bitches. Exactly. So oh my god. Could you imagine if Dead Space is gonna have loot boxes? Oh, I fucking hope so. <laughs> oh they'd be little coffins. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> oh it's Lord. Just... Oh, I know, right? Be. All right. I'll cringe. I'm telling you, my video game past is going to be like, no, killing me. I know. All right. So that's video games. Let's move on. Um, some sad news just today. It's been announced mm. that Richard Donner, director of films like Superman, starring Christopher Reeve, Lethal Weapon, The Goonies, has died at the age of 91. Yep. Sad day. Yep. To, um, sad to hear of his passing. Um, he lived a good life at 91. So I hope that he's uh, resting in peace. And um, I really want to thank him for his contribution to my childhood. Yeah. Those are some pretty iconic uh, films that he's made. To say the least, it's crazy. So thank you, Richard Donner. And uh, yeah, rest in peace. All right. So, um, uh, just I was scrolling on the interwebs and I saw that Gabriel Luna posted a picture from The Last of Us set in Calgary. Um, so mm-hmm. there you go. They're on they're they're on schedule. They said that they would start in July. Here we go. Yep, a year. Mm-hmm. And you For know what? Year. Then there's post. Then there's post production. So yep. this thing's not going to be out until like what 2023. Yeah, we'll see. Um, it depends, right? Like, are they filming just one season, or are they filming both seasons right now, all at once? Good question. I'm assuming. I, I guess. I'm assuming if they have them for a year, they're going to be doing both, just so that they can film everything they need, especially um, Pedro Pascal, right? Like, we know yeah. what's going to happen with his character, and you know that they're going to probably want to film flashbacks and stuff like that, right? But I'm, I'm yep. assuming that they would be filming both seasons at once yeah and i guess you can get a post crew up and going depending on your shooting schedule and your ordering and whatnot for the episodes you might be able to get a season one into post while Mm -hmm. you're filming a season two type thing exactly exactly that that's that's kind of what i was thinking yeah it's all about the logistics at that point and the reshoots right yeah Whenever you get your dailies back and you look at stuff and you go, ah, this is not going to cut what we thought it would. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have chops. Yep. But I, I'm not an industry professional. 
This is just stuff that I've been able to glean yeah. off of what I've been able to learn about filmmaking. Exactly. And, you know, I, I, I just assume that these are logistic uh, challenges, but I've seen production companies do it. So you look at Lord of the Rings and things like that. They've been able to manage this kind of stuff. So, well, Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, um, the prequel series that they're making, apparently they don't even know, like the actors don't even know when their contracts are up. They're just filming, 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 filming. And that budget is going to be insane. That's the Amazon money, man. Yeah. I, know. <laughs> I, I'll, I will say this. I watched the Tomorrow War this week. Mm-hmm. And holy crap, did Amazon ever spend some money on that movie? Like, I I was genuinely taken with how much special effects and how much action there was. And it's Chris Pratt. Like, I'm just like, it was a competently acted, very predictable, nothing special movie. But it scratched that alien itch for me. Yeah. And it was way action driven like sometimes i get into these netflix kind of movies and it has a couple hits it has a couple scenes where you can go money was spent there but they pull off of that pretty quickly this was non-stop action for the whole thing there is a couple cringe moments near the end big time but they told the story right they made choices right I, have you bothered to watch it no, not yet. I was planning to on Friday, and then the weekend just happened. Um, but I'm yeah. off all week, so I probably will have some time to. Uh, to I, to I watch definitely that. recommend you check it out. Like yeah. if you're a sci-fi fan, because it, there is that annoying time stuff that pretty impossible to escape. But I thought overall, like it tend to be something it wasn't, and that's what I really appreciated about it. Yeah. It actually, there's there's a point at which you can identify the relationship between the two characters in the time space, like where you can say, oh, that's this person in the future. And they just went for it right there. They didn't try to build suspense around it. They just came out and just said it and acknowledged mm -hmm. it. I'm like, great. Thank you for actually thinking that the audience has a brain. Yeah. And that this wasn't going to be something that you were going to, oh, surprise, this is this person. You know what I mean? It was just like, oh, okay, you're you're letting me know now, and you're yeah. just grounding that relationship into this timeline. So, kudos to you guys. So, I like that. I gotta say, that's what I liked about it. There were certain things that they did that were very lazy. Yeah, as far as story, but it's what you do. It's it reminds me of Armageddon. Oh God. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, there's certain things that just fit the narrative that they're like, well. This can happen in this world. And you're like, all right. But the bigger movie, the feeling you got off of it was, hey, that wasn't bad. There's a lot of action in that. Things yeah. blew up. World saved. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, some crazy cancellation news. Not too surprised, considering that it was mm. based off of a one-off book. And that is HBO has officially canceled Lovecraft Country. Yeah, look, that thing started out great. We all talked about it. We all fell in love with it. It had a great 
few story episodes, but it also meandered in that season badly. It languished on certain episodes. Yeah. I, it lost me week after week. I just became more and more like, eh. I went from, I must watch this to, ah, we're going to talk about it. So I'll check it out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that was weird for me because it was a time when we're all at home consuming media and that just lost its steam. So I'm surprised it took them this long to, to make the announcement, but I'm glad that if they're not going to be all in on it, then just get out now. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. That's exactly it. Because like they would have to extend the story right at this point. And you know, it, 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 it this doesn't surprise me at all. It is what it is. Yeah, there was some great storytelling in there. There was a lot of people who stood out as as accomplished actors, actresses, and whatnot. So I wish them all the best in whatever projects that they find here on out. Um, and I'm glad that the show existed. Mm -hmm. But I just don't want to see it become, remember Heroes? Yeah. Remember the first season of Heroes and you're like how amazing it was. This and then show is literally awesome. after that, every episode just got worse and worse and worse. Yeah, and, and they then, blamed it on the writer strike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then when they brought this it back, is... it was even worse and worse yeah. and worse. And that's that's now the litmus test for any show that I think about where I'm like, uh, like even when they canceled Jupiter's legacy, I'm like Maybe it's not bad. I enjoyed the first season, but if you're not going to be all in on it, then then Netflix are really good at ripping the Band-Aid off. Like, yeah. Fuck it. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> He's it. got another movie. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, so yeah. there's that. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's talk Lego. Let's talk Star Wars. And let's talk yeah. ship names. You can take this one, Phil. All right, so last week we had LegoCon, the first Lego convention. And according to Lego, it was the best thing since sliced bread. Now, it was, it was we knew all the sets anyway. <laughs> like anybody who's dialed into the Lego community, the leaks have been going on for months. Uh, so there was no surprises. But the one that did stand out was the fact that Boba Fett's ship, Slave One, has now been renamed, apparently by Disney, to be Boba Fett's spaceship. Because, let's just face it, they don't want it to be called Slave One, the kids, or anybody. They just want to make that name go away for a product place. Yep. And here's the thing. Everybody's making a flap about it online. And people are defending it and attacking it. It's Sony's prerogative to do whatever. It's still the slave one in canon all right the next thing is is that they've been renaming it boba fett spaceship for a while now and yeah. no one's made this much noise yeah there's tops trading cards that say boba fett spaceship there's like this i i don't know how long back like if it was like a like obviously other lego sets still say slave one i've i've got two of them in my product assortment that came boxed as slave one so it wasn't a problem two years ago 
for Lego to be using that name. But I do know that there's probably been the last two or three years, but Disney are just trying to gentrify things. That's the word. Make things less offensive. Not that slave one is offensive, but I guess there's a connotation with the slave name. Yeah, exactly. So, eh, I think it's a a lot about nothing. I just, I do too. You know, it's always going to be slave one to me. If you, if you tell me, if you tell me that hand didn't shoot first, that changes the whole aspect of the movie for me. That changes hands motivation in the series. Everything about it changes for me if that's the version I know. Exactly. So I don't like that change. But if Slave 1 is called Boba Fett's spaceship, if I don't call it Slave 1 because I forget what Slave 1 is, I'm going to say that's Boba Fett's spaceship. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly it's, it, man. It, it's, this is funny, right? But Tamara Morrison came out and he said, the Boba Fett show is going to be way more aggressive. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But yeah. uh, aside from that, there's um, a lot of other sets that got officially announced. Most of the Mandalorian sets, obviously. They came out the week before with the Clone War sets, the um, the Ahsoka one with Darth Maul, the Battle on the Throne, which is going to be like a $20 set, uh, things like that. But um, August 1st is obviously the big summer break that leads us into the winter season. And we've got the Bad Batch set coming out. We've got uh, this Boba Fett spaceship, which looks great because there's both the Mandalorian minifig in it and Boba Fett repainted yep. to be the new Mandalorian-style Boba Fett. Um, and we've got the new troop transport. We've got the new, what I really am kind of excited to get is the, uh, uh, the, um, the big Star Destroyer thing. Yeah. I enjoy that. I, I yeah, like I saw that one. Looks spaceships. that one looks amazing. Yeah, it's it's pricey. It's going to be two hundred and ten dollars Canadian. It's not for the faint of heart, but uh, as far as the looks of that thing, the Imperial Imperial Light Cruiser, Cruiser um, one thousand three hundred thirty six yep. pieces. That's awesome. With five Lego yeah, I like Star Destroyer, Mandalorian, Cara Dune, Fennec yep. Shan, Moff Gideon. Dark Trooper and Grogu. Interesting that Cara Dune's a part of it. Well, yeah, there's some flap about that, um, but it's undeniable her role in that final episode. As well, the Dark Trooper, there's only one of them in there. That's the Lego fig to get. Yeah. That's got a lot of excitement around it. Um, So, you know, exciting times. And then I shared with you tonight, the Lego pronouncement that the set is going to be soon available, if not already. Seinfeld. Yep. $109.99 Canadian. So they're encouraging people to reenact their favorite Seinfeld moments with the Lego set. Yep. It's that I'm I'm I, that's one I would get. Won't get, but would get. Yeah, I it might be the first. Oh, there, there is, like, along with all this stuff, there was a whole bunch of Marvel stuff that was announced. Yeah. And the one that stood out to me was Bro Thor. Yeah. This, because it's the scene from Endgame with him and, and, and Tika Watiti's character. The, you know, the guy's like, she's making fun of me again. Yeah, they're yep. playing video games and in this den of stench. And 
I got to say, for a $30 Lego set, take my money now. Yeah. It's going to be the little diorama vignette where I'm like, oh, man, that that that's kind of me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's making fun of me. <laughs> so I like that. I, I like the Seinfeld one. It might be the first one that I buy of these show yeah. kind of ones. I know I threatened friends, but then... I got a little bit weird about it, and they came out with another friend set. I know, I saw unexpected. that. Very weird. They came out with the double hallway, like the the two apartments. Yep. And I'm like, really? And it's like 150. It's expensive too. Yeah, that's crazy. Like Lego are really smart right now in terms of at least my pocketbook for the upcoming season. This season was a huge miss for me. But next next wave is going to be like I'm going to be hurting financially. <laughs> yeah, seems like it. Um, all right. So last thing we're going to talk about we're going to talk about some of the stuff that we watched. So we will we tread lightly on on um, spoilers. So if you don't want to be spoiled with anything, you can stop listening now. But again, like I said, we don't um, go too spoilery. So there's two shows yeah. that I really want to talk about. One of them, Loki. The other is Bad Batch. Where do you want to start? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start with Bad Batch. Because I, I, there's something that I want to tell you. And it saved the series for me because I was starting to really wane off of it. Same. Thank God for Cad Bane. What a brilliant piece of writing. To bring him back from the Clone Wars. And there's a well of cross-pollination happening with yep. the Dave Filoni-verse. Exactly. Because we got these clones in tanks. We got this almost Snoke reference in one of those tanks. We've got a Boba Fett link to Fennec Shan and to Cad Bane. There is just so much potential in Star Wars right now. And it will be interesting to see how they cross the energy on this. Yeah. Because that was a complete revival. This week's episode, big dud. No problem. I can accept it if I know I'm going to get those juicy morsels. Because even, even from the point of the first Cad Bane episode, three episodes ago, the first one where it's the shootout, the Western shootout yeah. with him and Hunter. Yeah. That was so well done. I had to watch that scene like five times in a row. Yeah, it was, was really like, well done. It was so good. The mood, everything was so cinematic for me. And I'm like, this is a freaking cartoon. And it's, it's, it's tickling things inside of me for film, for pacing, for camera angles everything about it was just like it was just like my favorite episode of mandalorian when we're talking about ahsoka you know what i mean the episode five that that kira kirishawa homage this was that yeah this was just like oh man they just knocked it out of the park and then they played around with those themes a little bit in the next episode with the fennec shan shakedown and i really like that there's a duplicity set up with who is the actual bad guy now and who is the mercenary yep they've thrown a lot of really good monkey wrenches in 
because I got to say, Rancor monster episodes and stuff do not tickle the Star Wars fancy for me at all. I, yeah. I do enjoy this Imperial transition. Even this week's episode as a bit of a throwaway was great because it talked about the Imperial transition because it talked about separatists and things like that. Like they, they really got into that, that Star Wars lore mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I just really like that. That's where the pacing is finding itself. So this season is getting its legs. Yeah. So hats off to Lucasfilm. I liked it. What do you like? What do you, what do you think? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I'm really liking it. Uh, it is touching on the right parts of the lure that I like. Um, yeah. And it's not falling into the traps that I've, we've been talking about, it, like that the first few episodes did, where it kind of felt like it was just trying to shoehorn itself into the transitional period, right? You know, as they're yeah. building the empire. So I'm really liking that it's getting its own lure. Um, it's getting its own story. It's getting its own, just a lot of stuff. So I'm really enjoying it in the grand scheme of things. Um, and yeah, like I'm liking the characters more. Like they're, they're, there's more to them. There's more meat and potatoes with all these characters. So yeah, it's a win-win right now for me. Yeah, because they're building out the external characters. They're building out the Empire characters. Yep. And they're building out Hunter. They're building out the crew. And they're establishing the relationship with Omega and the boundaries of said relationship. I think overall there's been good progression, right? Yeah. And it's elevated itself above resistance to me. Same. Um, resistance was, you know, really aimed at kids. And exactly. That's exactly it. No. This is getting a little more cerebral, maybe not as quite as high as, as rebels and above that clone wars i think was definitely into a, a heady space for a car especially the last couple seasons right that last season was just oh, like yeah. meta like it was just insane yeah. the last season was insane and some of the earlier ones were insane like the whole yeah. mortis yes uh when i go back to those episodes i am constantly shocked at how much of 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 heavy storytelling there is going on in that space. Yep. And with underdeveloped characters, like if they would have known that snips <laughs> gets to be who she is, uh, it would have changed everything, but yeah, exactly. it's part of the progression, right? It's part yeah. of the journey. So yep. kudos to them. Uh, exactly. I, I, every time I think Lucasfilm kind of hits a wall, Man, oh man, do they ever come out with a Hail Mary except for Rise of It's crazy. That's why, like, that's why, like, just, you know, just Jesus take the wheel. I let them do what they want, and I'm just going to sit and enjoy it because I know that eventually it'll all work out. That's one thing I've learned about, like, you know, at least the TV division of Lucasfilm. Yeah, the TV division, big time. Yeah. The movies, (laughs) we need some work. (laughs) Yeah, we need some work. We need some polish there. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens there. All right, so last thing we're going to talk about before we go for the day is Loki. Holy shit, is this show good? Wow. I got to say, episode three, I know everybody dumped on it. Yeah. I know people were like, "Eh, this is the slowest episode filler. I enjoyed episode three. More than I have episode one or two, because I felt like we're finally getting character development. We're finally getting into the heads 
of these people instead of just trying to splash the flash around yeah, and trying to zing people into walking away happy. This was a great episode for me for character development. And then it springed right into episode four, which went full on insane. Full on. Like, yeah, I, I walked away last Wednesday and I was just like, holy shit, you just won the internet. Like, yeah, I, 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 I watched it Wednesday night and I saw stuff all day trying not to spoil it on Twitter. And all they did was build it up. And I'm like, oh, this is a dangerous headspace to go into this episode. Mm-hmm. Dangerous headspace. And I got to say, everything hit where I needed it to hit. Yep. So yep. Who, who? next episode, this like soon. What the yeah. hell, man? I know. And you were right. You told me stick around for the post credits. I had to tell all my friends, hey, there's post credits. Yeah. You got to stick around. Yeah. And what the hell was that? I know, dude. Dude, I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know where we're going to go. I can't even theorize on where this had heads. Like, I, you know, the best way to put it is welcome to the multiverse, right? Like, this is now the multiverse. Yeah. Like, this is what you're going to get. This is where all comic book movies, shows, whatever is they're going towards. Um, we, you know, we got a little bit in the Arrowverse, but we're really seeing it now here in the MCU uh, with Flashpoint. DCEU is going to really hit the multiverse. This is going to be the biggest trope. Um, and, you know, it's ways that you can change things up and fix things, right? That's that's the beauty yeah. of the multiverse. And it's ways that you can express the different characters <laughs> and the different groups of appeal of those yep. characters. Exactly. And whatnot. And you can start testing the waters as far as what is successful and what is not. Yep. Right? So maybe alligator Loki is a thing. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Like, like it, 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 now we don't know who's who as well because Richard Grant showed up in that post credit scene and it wasn't who everybody thought he was going to be. Yep. Oh I am convinced. Okay. I am convinced that we are eventually going to see Beta Ray Bill in this show. I don't know why. Okay. I just feel like we're going to see Beta Ray Bill. All right. Um, I, I I just know that we can't, because of what happened in WandaVision, no one knows what the heck is going on. And everybody knows that they were so sure in WandaVision, how they thought everybody was like Mephisto, 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 that mm-hmm. everyone's like, I don't know, is it Kang? <laughs> like who's called the shots here we know, don't right? know anymore like no, everything got, we don't got That's, messed up man yeah i kind of like that though right like yeah this is a great place to be yeah this is where i wanted to be this is where i was worried loki was not going yes is actually having a suspenseful build in a six episode series instead of what wandavision and falcon and the winter soldier did still competent shows Still a great story. I'm not dumping on them. But man, were they predictable. Yes. Like, we nailed down Falcon and Winter Soldier accidentally on a summary about how it was going to end. And we're like, uh, like, what do we say? So, and we're just two idiots on the internet. So, I just don't, I'm like, I'm really happy about the developments in Loki. 
Now, it always had the potential to be this good, but it never... I was so worried about it. I know. Uh, Trust just, me. They, they, I know. They, 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 they pulled me in such a direction, and they, they actually... Yeah, it was good. Definitely yeah. go out and watch it, everyone. It's, it's <laughs> doing so good right now. I'm, I'm, I'm really liking it. Uh, but yeah, so we'll see exactly where it's going. Episode number five. The Oh my god, I can't speak. Penultimate right episode. Yeah, I cannot speak right now. Um, and I, here's the funny thing: Do they reveal the bad guy in this one? Probably, like, because that would follow the pattern. Exactly. <laughs> and then but, we'll complain for the sixth episode. <laughs> I know it's gonna be funny. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, so that's that. Uh, Phil, do your thing. All right, if you want to track us down on the internet, you can find us at www.itscanonpodcast. You can look us up on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at It's Canon Podcast. You can email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com. And you can subscribe to us really anywhere you find podcasts or you're going to find the It's Canon Podcast. And be sure to uh, subscribe to our channels and leave a rate and review on whichever platform allows it. So thank you so much for taking the time to tune in this week. Really do appreciate it. Yep. Thank you so much for listening, for subscribing, for leaving reviews, whatever you do. We appreciate you for doing it. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think this is uh, summer. I love summer, especially this summer. It just feels good. Um, wait till your 14 days are up, Phil. You're going to feel fantastic. Having said that, I've had a cough for about 17 days. So go figure. Um, but. <laughs> It is the It's Canon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about everything geek, the podcast where we talk about everything in pop culture, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything, because as the show title says, it is all in canon. He's Phil. I'm Boris. Goodbye. And we're done.